welcome to Mother of Dogs, the podcast for pet lovers who want to live their best life alongside their fur babies. I'm Tina, dog mom to Winnie and Chloe, my two French bulldogs who bring fun and chaos wherever they go. If you want to hear stories from modern pet parents about how they navigate life and business with their furry friend, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Mother of Dogs. I'm your host, Tina, and I'm so excited and grateful to be joined by Ron Holloway. Ron is an American disabled veteran, author of Leadership A Long Story Short, and co-founder of Wolf Bowl, a pet brand focused on hiring veterans. Please check out the show notes for the rest of his impressive bio, a link to purchase his book, and where you can follow them online. I'm so grateful and honored that Ron and his partner and co-founder, Solo, agreed to be on the show. They're very selective, rightfully so, which is something we chat about in this episode. Although you can't really hear her, Solo is in the background, so you'll notice some jesting, which I love. I loved witnessing the dynamic of their relationship in my limited capacity and could see that having a sense of humor is a non-negotiable. As you can imagine, I listened to these episodes more than once before they're released, and each time I listen, it just hits different. There's a story that Ron shares about a little girl on her birthday, and my husband reminded me that during the pandemic, I was also that little girl. He reminded me that it was also my birthday wish to visit Wolf Bowl and attend a Frenchie meetup. At the time, I had already become super attached to Winnie. I didn't have Chloe yet, and I started to wonder about his littermates and his canine family. I weirdly prayed that I would connect with one of them somehow. At the meetup, a Frenchie that looked identical to Winnie, but a fraction of his size, kept coming up to me. Winnie has a very unique coat, look, and color, so I couldn't help notice. I talked a lot of shit about social media on this episode, so this is kind of funny, But everyone was posting videos or tagging the event, and the owner of the tiny Frenchie reached out to me via Instagram. We realized after connecting that Mambo, his little Frenchie, was in fact Winnie's Missouri littermate, and he was so tiny because he was the runt of the litter. So, I love you, Jason and Mambo, and it's still hard to believe my wish came true. This episode really called me to reflect upon my own purpose in creating this podcast. Yes, it is about dogs and entrepreneurship, but it really captures the preciousness of life. I've been shown that when you're genuinely interested in people and have supported them, they support you back. Although the show is about entrepreneurship, it just isn't about measuring success financially, but instead redefining what success looks like. Going deeper. My guests haven't created these businesses to get rich, and I want to remind listeners that these individuals have to worry about their own taxes, health insurance, retirement, etc., alongside all of the business expenses. So what I will say is support them. Don't give them a hard time on price. They're also accruing the same price increases in everyday living and business expenses, etc. So, and alongside very long days and sometimes days feeling like maybe it isn't worth it. Let's lift them up. This podcast is my love letter to these humans and dogs that I love so much. I'm beyond grateful to witness them in their element, living their way, driven by their own mission. The biggest gift you can give humanity and the world is being your true authentic self, living your own way, Allowing others to witness you at your best naturally brings out the best in others or at least inspires them to see what is possible and muster up the courage to take a step forward. And if you have no idea what that looks like yet for you, here's your invitation to get lost. Pay special attention to Ron's reference to Tyler, the creator's album, Call Me If You Get Lost, in this episode. This is one of my favorite parts because as an adult, feeling lost is not a positive experience. But Ron made me feel excited about getting lost, and hopefully if you're listening and feeling lost in the not good way, you can be reassured that you're exactly where you're meant to be, but keep going. Ron and Solo, a heartfelt thank you. I'll leave you with one of my favorite Ron Holloway quotes from the episode. The blessings 
the awesomeness, the love is in the journey. What's been the best part is just figuring this all out. Ron, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Tina. I'm super excited or energized or geeked. I don't know which, whichever word you want to use, but I'm happy to be here. This is special. This is fun. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> when I think of Wolf Bowl, I think of pure joy. I think of you and Solo, your friendly faces greeting me, Brian, <laughs> Winnie, and Chloe. And it gives me Happy Meal dog vibes. So when you describe Wolf Bowl, what does that look like for you? It's funny you say that because I joke and say I have a face for radio. So you say you see my face enjoy. I think Solo used to feel that way. I don't know if she feels that way anymore. (laughs) We're together 24-7. Things change. But jokes aside, no. How do you describe Wolf Bowl? It's so many things. I don't think it's one thing. It's For some people, it's been a prescription for loneliness. For some people, it's community. For some people, it's someone that they can identify with, that they say, hey, here's someone who had mental health or was dealing with issues and found a way to, I don't know, make something positive out of a negative, basically. And so, but Wolf Bowls are so many things to me. I used to be pretty cynical about society and about people, and that's changed so much. Just you realize there's actually really good people out here. Society, the news, social media will have you think differently. So it's just hard to put it all into one. It really is because it's, it's more than just, it's obvious it's more than just dog treats. I've had people that have told us if Wolf Bowl fails to exist, like I'll feel like the American dream has died. It's like they, there's these millennials or Gen Zers or even some Gen Xers who have put so much into us and have been so inspired by us that they, they look at us as their last hope of, wow, like they, they're doing it. They left the careers, the lucrative jobs, went for it. And yeah, it's been a journey. Did you grow up with dogs? Like, what were you doing before Wolf Bowl? Would you have ever imagined that your trajectory would eventually lead you to Wolf Bowl? Yeah, Tina, to answer your first question. So, yes, I had a I had dogs growing up, but not it was a different relationship. I had dogs. I I talk about Snoop, who we rescued actually from a junkyard in Wisconsin in the middle of winter. And so he came into my life after actually after our home was broken into. And so this was a way my mother was trying to find something to help me cope with that situation. And not only was he a guard dog, but he also was something that kind of helped me emotionally. And just like that teddy bear, he became like that big teddy bear. He's a big German Shepherd Collie mix. I had dogs. My dad had a boxer. We had a golden retriever. Those relationships were a lot different than our generation. So my relationship with those dogs was more of like how our parents were with dogs, where keep them in the basement, keep them outside, give them kibble. They don't get on the couch. They don't get on the bed. Don't let them lick your face. Don't give them table scraps. And like now our generation is Wolf Bowl is table scraps. <laughs> Wolf Bowl is table scraps. <laughs> That's what we do. We totally put that on his head. And we don't take that same reality on face value that our parents had. So dogs have been a part of my life, but not so much as as much as a healing factor as they've been now. The second part of your question, hell no. Would I ever have <laughs> would I ever have imagined that I would be doing this? Hell no. And the thing is, because when you grow up in environments like Solo and I did, where there was a lot of uncertainty, financial uncertainty, safety uncertainty, you're looking for security and safety and all those things. So I've always, I think both of us have always gravitated towards structure and comfort and being comfortable. So those are the past week. I was really good at basketball, nationally ranked top 50 point guards. I knew I was like, hey, I'm going to play basketball. I went to college, did the military. I worked in finance, Wall Street regulations, banking regulations. So everything I did was pretty conservative and pretty 
kind of structure base. And, and I was comfortable. I was comfortable being comfortable. Whereas Wolf Bowl, and I've used this phrase before, I had to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And so that's the advice I always give entrepreneurs or people I interview. As I say, that's the one thing I would tell people. It's you really have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And so not in a million solo jokes about this too. I think she said it on our Vice interview. Her parents were she's engineer, she's worked NASA, Raytheon. She's worked on things she can't even talk about, right? And so her parents had all these dreams and aspirations of her and she went and did that, right? What they wanted. And then now here she is. She's doing very dope work right now. <laughs> so what she's doing to me is equally as dope and is equally as amazing. And just to see the reaction that she gets from people. So yeah, she's not doing rocket science work. It's like cultural science. It's like dog food science. It's just like next level. And to see her be able to create something that's had this effect on thousands of people, that's a dream, man. You can't put words on that. To be able to do something where you have that effect on, and we started with 17 followers. And if you see the messages we get from people in the stories, it's why wow, we created this. Yeah, I would have never imagined, but it's been well worth it. I tell people I've never been more broke or more happy in my life. <laughs> Yeah, Tina. Or your family is supportive of your new path and Wolfbowl and the investment that you've made? Initially, initially, no. <laughs> initially, like no one was supportive of this, right? Because we covet what we see. Oh, we replicate. We are what we do. We, we're inspired by things we see. And so I think for most people, you don't see dog food trucks. So you don't see people doing what we did. So you can't if you don't have the vision, if you don't have the imagination, I think it was Einstein that said that the measure of genius is not intelligence, it's imagination. And so if you don't have that imagination to be able to see it or the vision, then you can't wrap your mind around it. We, we fear what we don't, we fear what we don't understand and we hate what we can't conquer. So it's, that's that, that's the way the brain kind of works. And so our parents, my parents aren't here, but her parents weren't, they weren't happy and they weren't very supportive. And our friends were like, oh, you sure you want to do it? You guys are good. Vacations every two or three times a month and fat incomes and nice houses and, and all that. And we were always very humble people. Like one thing Solo and I used to do even before Wolfball, like we volunteered every weekend somewhere. And it was just something like th that we just did. Friday was date night. And then like Saturday or Sunday, we were volunteering with some organization like that morning. So yeah, it was a challenge. But... I tell people all this all the time. When you do something or when you're ready to jump ship, and I'll give this analogy. When I was in the military, I was a survival instructor. And so I, they used to call me Black Dolphin because <laughs> I, I could swim like a fish, right? But one of the things I learned is that we, we would be jumping out in 20, 20 feet high platforms, diving and swimming underwater for long periods, do whatever the case may be. But one thing I learned is that no matter how high that platform is or no matter what you're doing, don't worry about the height. Don't worry about how long you're swimming. Don't worry about the tire. Don't worry about the survival taxes. Just focus on the fact that you can swim. And just, just knowing that, don't worry about all those other things. Focus on that. And so that was our mentality. We knew what we had inside of us and we trusted our gut, Tina, a, a gut feeling. And we just, it just always felt right. And so we just went forward with that and the rest is history. You guys work together. How intense has that been on the relationship working together on this? Yeah, Tina, intense is the perfect word. <laughs> How intense has it been on the relationship? You sound like you're talking from experience, though. No. Yeah, it it has its ups and downs. There's some days where I feel like I'm going to end up on an ID channel. We're like, why? <laughs> 
kill, killer wives. No, no, but it's, uh, I will say this, you learn more about each other. You really do. And I think we know more about each other now than maybe we did before when it was, you go do your thing, you go do your thing. Mm-hmm. We're here, let's come back. I got my briefcase, whatever. It's the suburban life of the, com- but so I think it's been challenging. I do know that she has been my crutch and I've been hers because there's been days where she's just F it. I'm done with this. I don't want to do it anymore. We're dealing with X, Y, and Z, or this happens. And then I'm like, I lift her up. And there's days when I'm like that. And so then she comes and she scoops me up. And so you learn to be each other's crutch. But I think it is a, it is a challenge and you have to understand like boundaries too. And I know she has certain boundaries. I have certain boundaries and I know there are certain values that we both have. So I know what values are important to her. She knows what values are important to me. And I think that's, I think it's important to remember that it's going to be challenging. It's not easy. My mother used to joke and she used to say, I had an uncle that was with his wife for a long time. She said, the reason why they're married is because he's all, he's working third shift and she's working first shift that the distance makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. Being together, it's a challenge, but we try to, and I mentioned this to a buddy the other day with Tina, we always try to make sure we do things like have a date night or she went to, she just went to a Knicks game with her sister. So we I try to, we try to find things that we can do to still make it normal where it's not because there was a time, Tina, I'll be honest with you, in a relationship where I equated the success of our later of our relationship with the success of Wolf Bowl. Mm. And one night we got into a pretty big argument and I think she says something to the degree that kind of was an aha moment for me that I didn't even I didn't there's a lot of unconscious bias or confirmation bias. We don't know what we don't know. And I think she said something that we had gotten to argument and it, and it struck a core of me. It was like, oh shit, like I am equating the success of Wolf Bowl to the success of my marriage. And that shouldn't be the case, right? It should be totally bifurcated. So it shouldn't be when Wolf Bowl's, when we're doing great or things are going, or the relationship is great or when it's down. And that's something that since that argument was a big dust up, I don't remember why, but since then, it just was a come to Jesus moment or whatever you want to call it. And I think that's important. I think that's something that you need to establish early on if you're in a relationship with someone just because you're not getting. And we never care about likes or followers and that stuff. Like we, we don't get into all that. I didn't even have social media before Wolf Bowl. And I'm an older millennial. Like I never had it. But I'm just saying that for people who do care about that stuff. So just because you're not getting likes or shares or comments or you're not getting interviews or customers aren't coming or don't let that affect your relationship with your partner because that it can it's pervasive and it's, it's it can seep in very easily so i'll just say be mindful of that yeah that's really great advice and yeah. i'm wondering with the success and the focus being on the relationship do you guys feel that you have complementary skill sets there's so many things that it takes to run wolf bowl like the recipe development the creative side the relationships with other businesses and then within the industry and the customers and all of these things so does she take a specific side of that and then you have like your own complementary side that you take that helps to distribute and balance wolf bowl yeah we, yeah that's a great point yeah we definitely have complementary characteristics and and skill sets one hers being the ability to fart on call I've never seen anyone be able to, <laughs> to do that. Except for the dogs. <laughs> Except for the dogs. So there's always just competition in the household between the three yeah. of us. 
That's we'll save that for another time, T. We won't get we won't get into the details. I'm here all night. I'm here. I'm at your table. I'm at your table all day. No, but I'm the caveman, and I know that. I admit it. No, we're both. The thing about what people need to understand about Solo and I, we're both very competitive people. Always have been. She's the baby of three. I'm the baby of the family. I played athletics. She played athletics. So we're both very competitive. And so it comes down, and this may go back to your previous question about relationships, but I think really, like for real, it really comes down to picking your battles. And so there are some creative differences at times, but I trust her creative talent immensely, even over like famous creative people. Like I know, I, I know if she had a platform or the right platform or the right opportunity, like she would blow some, like her creative and what she's able to do with less, like we don't have the money that in the big budgets that some of these people have, these marketing firms. And I see what she does with less and it's just, but I'm also very creative and I'm also very artistic. And so it's, um, so finding where we can be just where it's mutually beneficial and it's like a gut thing. And it's, if she comes up with something that's dope and I'm like, oh man, yeah, let's go with that. Or if I come up with something, she's like, yeah, that's it. That's the song or that's the caption. Or, And so she's really good with like the analytical aspect. She's really good with research. Obviously it's that whole left brain, right brain, but I think we both have a little bit of that. And mm-hmm. so me, as you've seen, I'm a published author. I've done speeches for President Obama. I've done speeches for veteran causes, universities. So I've done all type. I got a letter from President Obama once. I sent a book to the White House. And so I have that skill where she's more, and I'm actually an introvert. People don't believe this, but there is a such thing as antisocial kind of extroverts or whatever. I've heard people use that. Amy Schumer, and I heard Kendrick Lamar say he's the same way. And But she's very introverted, like extremely. And so I think that, yeah, what's perfect about us is that what I'm great at, she's not. And what she's extremely great at, I'm not. And so it's almost like even being Tina, it's almost like even being a boss of a corporation or being a business owner, like you have to know how to delegate. And so there's certain things where she's, you got that right. And I'm like, I got it. And there's certain things. She's in the background talking about work in the window. That's <laughs> why so you always see my face. Yeah. And so she she absolutely hates working the window. And but what she does behind me in terms of her mastery, in terms of putting the meals together and making it look a certain way is second to none. And no, she's just a genius with it. Coming up, it's like her being able to find like what's what's based on the science of a dog's needs and how can I make it look human based and make it look cool. And it's, yeah. So to answer your question, yes, we do have, we do have things that we're both good at, but we do have things that we find that we lift each other up on. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm a business owner too. And we've talked about this in the past. It's having this attachment, right? Because it Mm -hmm. becomes this creative outlet, this baby, this investment of blood, sweat, tears, like all of the things but then also not being so attached where you care so much about the follower side yeah. and the numbers and all of yeah. the things that society really focus, all of those metrics, right, are yeah. super important typically. Yeah. How do you balance that? Because I, I think that always comes to mind. I'm also an older millennial, so I always think I hate social media. <laughs> I was actually very happy when TikTok got banned. Like, Word. Me too, me too. I'm just like, good, I don't have a fucking TikTok and I exactly. don't, we don't need another exactly. fucking social media. We don't need another thing exactly. to be on. Exactly. I need to live my life. I need yeah. people to live. I feel like I'm already at the age. I'm getting to the point where I'm like, no new thing. 
things. No, no. new social media. No. But at the same time, I'm creating this podcast and I like know yeah. the reality is that you do have to show up and build something. But it's it's that balance of focusing on this, the parts that you love yeah. and then taking out the metrics that are the things that like, of course, you you have an amazing community. People love you. And mm-hmm. so like a natural thing that's happening for you. Mm-hmm. But I always think, too, that people follow heart centered people. So mm-hmm. when I met you in solo at the mm-hmm. food truck, I could tell, oh, yes, this is this is where they should be. This is what oh. they should be doing. They're doing angel work. There's nothing better than seeing people in your element mm. doing witnessing you doing the thing that you should be doing wow. and i just think that's why it's so important for me i, I was like oh i hope i can interview them because <laughs> literally there's nothing better than really talking to people who have such a passion and purpose mm-hmm. in life because it's so much easier to do the right thing go the mm-hmm. right direction the traditional path it's always amazing to talk to people who are doing completely different things and running their own race, living their own life. Hey Amen. That's powerful. What you just said is so powerful. And I picked up on a few things, Tina. And thank you for that, for the kind and complimentary words. And it's something you said, you talked about purpose and passion. I think that some people say it's not all about finding your purpose or finding your passion. You need to be able to pay bills and do this. And, that. and I think for me, I tell people I lost 10 pounds quitting my corporate job and I didn't change anything in my lifestyle. Just 10 pounds just went away. And I think that's from the stress that we hold up from doing what we subconsciously know we shouldn't be doing or that's not making us happy or peace. My favorite MC Nas has a, a verse that I love and he says, before I had a piece of paper, peace was in my favor. And it's that's so real, like that, that, that bar is so deep because it's peace is everything. And I found, I, I found this peace now where it's, it's unexplainable. It's, it really, it, it changes your makeup and you feel it spiritually and it's, and I can't really explain it. And it's, it's this piece where it's not about money. It's not about anything else. It's, I'm good with being me. I'm okay exactly where I am. And so I think that's, that's been a, that's been a, that's been a huge part of, a, of what this has been for us. And if, and it's crazy because to hear you say that kind of this energy that you took from us or this experience that you have from us. I believe that to be true because as someone once said, we hear with our hearts. And that's what I just heard from you. We hear with our hearts. You heard it from us that, wow, there's purpose, there's passion, there's spirituality in them. And I'll tell you something, Tina, the best, the best, I guess, compliment I ever got, right? And this was the best compliment I ever got. We were in D.C., and uh, there was a young couple that came to our truck and the guy said, and he said, it. I think it was his fiance or his wife. And he said, man, you know why I support you guys? He said, I support you guys because your company has a soul. And he said, that's so super rare. Like you just don't find companies with a soul anymore. And I was like, wow. And that right there, I was like, sorry, lady. I'm sorry. Someone's over here. I don't know what she's, oh, she's getting ready to eat. Dude, I don't know what Solo's doing. <laughs> I'm just sorry. You messed up. <laughs> I'm teasing. I bet you messed up my whole story. I was about to, I was about to drop a tear. I'm working up the tears. She over opening up Uber Eats DoorDash. No, no, no emotions. No, no emotion. I know. No. Okay. Stella's like no emotions. <laughs> Stop that shit. Stop that shit. No, but anyway, no, but for real though, like all jokes aside though, man, but yeah. And it didn't strike me. I was like, oh, I get it. And to hear you say what you just said, that's what you were able to internalize from us too. Like, wow, these guys have a soul. There's a soul. I'll be honest with you, Tina. There's been so many times we've been offered 
money from private investors, VCs. We've been offered money in a lot of different ways, opportunities, and we've just said no, or we just decided we didn't want to do it because it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like it had a soul to it. So to hear you say that, the kind words, and to see what other people, I guess, are feeling as well, what, they're, what this community is taking from what we're doing, I think is more valuable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear you say too that you've gotten investors come to you. Yeah. And of course, you can see that you guys are special. And I think that's probably the goal for a lot of people, right? It's, yeah. oh, let's take investment money, get bigger, better, faster, stronger, sooner, mm -hmm. and not go through that journey. And I yeah. think that that's also something that's very clear is that you guys are special. And there is this element of control. It, it, it essentially is you and Solo, your identity yeah. and what you've sacrificed, what you're building. And when you do take investment money, when you do have outside, you lose that. You lose yes. that sense of yes. yourself and that. And it's not control in a bad way. It's a control in the sense of you want to have the best quality. You want it to be the best that it can possibly be. Mm -hmm. And that is reflected in every aspect of the whole process, of the whole entire journey of putting it together for people. That's and I think so that sometimes people just, again, on like these other metrics that look like success. Mm -hmm. And I think it's wonderful that you guys have still been able to keep it as your own, maintain your presence and that soul quality. Because I think that for sure is... It's you and Solo, you are the success of Wolf Bowl. Appreciate you, family. No, that's a fact. We've, we had someone tell us we were doing an incubator program and we had them tell us, Ron, you and Solo could just put the shit in your food and you'd be millionaires overnight. You're like, this was another millionaire like telling us this or so angel investing. Mm -hmm. like, you could just put the crap in your food and package it up and you guys would be millionaires overnight. And it's just, and I was like, yeah, Solo and I know that. We know, but there's also something special. And I tell people, this is like Solo and I, it's like us, like we're, this is like music. We love being your favorite band. We love being your band's favorite band. People travel with the band, they go on the road. And, but for us, it, it, it's the music. Bands play music. So her and I would rather the music be played or not played at all. Mm -hmm. So that goes back to what you just talked about, the control, the aspect of how we do it. Like we're at the core of Wolf Bowl, this is hip hop. This is culture. Biggie didn't sound like Tupac, didn't sound like Nas, didn't sound like Jay-Z, didn't sound like DMX, didn't sound like Run, you know what I mean? Originality, creativity, culture, hip-hop, innovation. That's what Wolf Bowl is about. Art, culture, fine doggy dining, you know what I mean? And so to hear you say that, it's it's a combination of all of this. It's like this dope booyah base. And so that's, you can call it selling out. I mean, some people might do that if we ever did decide to do that, but I personally love being one of one, Tina. I love being one. It's like a rare art piece. I love being one of one. I look at that truck to see the color. I see the color and I see the designs of the truck. I get happy. I could be having a bad day. There's people that said, this is a beautiful art piece. People want to take pictures in front of it. They want our truck just in front of their store just for the aesthetics of it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so for us, it's just deeper than that. I could easily... I could easily come out with some garbage ass treats or put a whole bunch of bullshit preservatives and salt and sugar and all type of stuff in it and be good. I could be, I could have been rich two years ago, but so much more than that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes back to also, what does that word mean? What does being rich mean? Facts. You can have what that looks like a number or whatever. And I think yeah. that freedom, flexibility, 
to be able to living your creative passion every day, yeah. that's living the dream. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Reality is having the flexibility, yeah. being able to determine what your path looks like and not waiting for somebody else. I think that's the hardest part. <laughs> the corporate world, it's yeah. you know how hard that you'd work yep. and you'll do anything, you'll invest, whatever. But like you said, there is no soul, right? Like you're doing it for the approval, occasional approval for your direct boss yep, you're usually yep. below middle management or middle it's like this whole rat race of and why do i, I deserve this and, and like why am i listening to this dummy only because he's older than he or she is older than me i'm sorry excuse me <laughs> yeah but it's and then i'm waiting for this yeah. salary approval yeah, and yeah. i think the best part is that you can create a revenue stream you figure out whatever you actually want to do i think you talked about in the beginning the structure and having that and thinking about structure as safety i also grew up humble beginnings mm -hmm. Structure actually really stressed me out. Mm. So I felt hopeful knowing mm. that anything can change at any point. There's always hope for me to change my circumstances if I'm in control of it. That was my hope with your situation now, although before you gravitated to structure right now, still you're betting on yourself, which is exactly mm. what you could always bet on is mm. that you know what you and Solo are capable of. You guys knowing that you're investing yourself as your best quality, like that's the, the thing that you guys know that that's your success. You'd have always more success with both of you doing what you want to do. Is that right? That's 100% right. <clears throat> and I can empathize with your notion about being self-destructive because for a long time, that was me. Mm -hmm. I was self-destructive in terms of my earlier years, self-destructive in terms of relationships, self-destructive in terms of my basketball career. And, uh, and it's easy to be that way. It's cognitive dissonance in some way, right? The things that you're doing are wrong, but you still keep doing it. And I was that way. I, I, talk, I'm, I haven't been shy talking about how I was dealing with the mental health. I was drinking to numb whatever pain. There's that, that needing to just numb all of those things. So I know what you mean about finding comfort in chaos. Mm. But um, there also was something in terms of financially me growing up. And I have food insecurity. So I, worried, I would eat a syrup sandwich. Or my drink would be sugar and lemon juice in a cup, just things like that. I had nights where I went to, so I think that is what drove the financial aspect of the structure. But mm -hmm. I think that socially or that other way, that's why I said in a recent post, you know, I was a consistent contradiction. So I get you. I understand where you're coming from 100%. But I think now where I am is, Nis I hate to quote famous people, but I mean, it applies. Nisky said, to get the best out of life, you need to live dangerously. And so what I've learned is that freedom and fear are remarkable bedfellows. You talked about, you just talked about that, that freedom act of, of doing what we're doing and with, with the journey that you're on. Getting over fear, that, that act, fear astrophies us. It really is crippling. It really is crippling. And I mean, there's so many different levels of fear, physical fear, mental fear, spiritual fear. And once you get past that, you almost feel free. It's almost, I can't explain it, man. It's, it's almost like an orgasm. I'm not trying to get weird here, but once you realize, oh shit, and the military helped me with this. Like once some of the stuff I did in the military, like physically and mentally, it's, oh my God, I can do anything. Once I got in the military, I really did feel like I could do anything. Cause some of the stuff that we did, it just was like, if I can do that, like I'm not, and that's why you see so many times that like a lot of employers will usually want to hire military people or they want to hire like college athletes because they know that you've had these tests and they know that you have been able to deal with adversity. So I wrote a book called Leadership, A Long Story Short. And, and one of the one of the ways I ended is talking about how adversity is the achiever. 
And that was something that took me time to kind of correlate and to put in touch with the rest of my life, Tina. But adversity really is the achiever. And so once you say, oh, okay, let me run into this fire because maybe if I run into this fire, I'll find out something about myself. And maybe, you know what, guess what? Maybe I won't get burned. Maybe I'll save a life. And so I think that has become something that I'm interested in now. So like when you talk about pivots, I'm not scared to pivot. I could stop Wolf Bowl tomorrow and be straight. I would be so good. I have letters from people. I've touched so many lives. I've done interviews. I've had people cry at the truth. I'll keep that with me forever. And in, and I don't care that it wasn't a multi-billion dollar. It wasn't a $55 million a year or a billion dollar company. I could care less. I promise you I could care less. I would be solo and I think I can speak for both of us, but I th- we would be good. And, and because this is who we are innately. I could disappear tomorrow and be a hippie on the beach and <laughs> it would bother me one bit. Yeah, I love that. That's true living. Yeah. You're attached in the best way, but also detached knowing that it's you. It is what it is. And so yeah, is that's amazing. Is. People get so stuck and devastated and are not able to withstand that uncertainty sometimes or figure out who they are. It sounds like you and Solo have done so much personal work to know who mm. you are. You've had to make sense of adversity and you've had to keep pushing forward and you've had to keep pushing forward when you're not supposed to or you couldn't beating those odds. I think it's it's a muscle. It's just a muscle. keep exercising it and you just kept doing it. And so now you're just like, whatever, I'll bounce back no matter what. <laughs> I always think of Big yeah. Sean's song, Bounce Back. Bounce back. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not sure if Big Sean was talking about that. Um, <laughs> I think he was talking about something else bouncing back. <laughs> you off the chain. No, 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 he's right. I know I'm not meant to. If it's yeah. real, then it might. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah totally. No, that's so funny though. No, you're right though. No, you have to be. And, and here's the thing, man. You learn a lot of small successes equate to big success. Mm-hmm. So if you keep having these small successes, eventually those small successes will end up being a big success. And so I think that's a that's a good way to break it down. You just have to do it. And I said this recently. You just got to take it one day at a time. Because I think you, even with mental health, that was something I when you have really high anxiety like me or you have a lot of mental health issues, you start taking on all these things and these future aspects and all these kind of tentacles of this, that, and the third, and you become hyper aware and hypersensitive to a lot of things. And, and, and that can cause you to run from yourself because you're, and if you run from yourself, you'll never win. You just, it's, it's just the way it is. And to your point, Tina, what you talked about, you just have to address it and confront it and take it day by day. Yeah, totally. The mental health part piece too with the the fear of failure and all of the mm-hmm. fears that come up. I think that what I'm seeing now is iterations are so mm-hmm. you had so much experience with this with everything that you've done with mm-hmm. military and your whole entire background and you were an athlete as well. There is a difference between people like that because you are not as afraid of failure. It's just an iteration and it's, oh, I learned from that shot that I missed. Mm-hmm. I learned from this and oh, now I have a different technique. We're sometimes attached to this specific outcome that we don't allow for openness and freedom and mm-hmm. whatever this possibility that could happen that's probably better than what I could have imagined. Mm-hmm. And that it's not necessarily a failure. It's just an iteration, a different direction. Now I know I can go this way. And like you said, it's not this walking into fire and maybe you don't get burned. Like there's, there are these things that you yeah. don't really know what you're made of until you're in this sort of situation. 
No, you're right. And look at you. Like you talked about your journey, Tina, about how you've iterated and you found your path and some things were successful and some things weren't. And you're going to become your best self ultimately because you have that. I did a conference once on emotional intelligence and one of the first and most important aspects of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. So to hear you talk about that level of self-awareness and your level of social recognition, see, and some people think like emotional intelligence can't be taught, but just to hear you say it and talk about it so comprehensively and so eloquently, I have no doubt that you're going to be super successful because that there was a study that came out by Carnegie Mellon and it said people who are successful in life, 85% of it is emotional intelligence and 15% is actual intelligence or IQ. Where most people think the opposite, it would be the reverse would be true. Well, no, it's not. And I think that's why Solo and I have been so successful because a lot of what Wolf Bowl is about emotional intelligence. It's about oh, I can identify when someone comes up that window and this person's hurting. So I know there's a line. I need to give this person maybe an extra minute or two. And when the next person comes up, I apologize. I'm sorry. Thank you for being so patient. I may do something nice for that person for waiting, but I can tell this person that was at this window needed something from me. You can, And some people have that, some people don't. There's people that get mad at us because we don't let them stalk our social media. That tells me more about you than it does about me or different things of that nature. And and so that level of emotional intelligence is, I cannot tell you how vital that is. And it's just, it's like ethics. It's so funny. I do these business incubators and programs and I talk with people and you never hear them use the word ethics or business ethics. It's like, wow. Like we are in a very bad place that we don't even, most, if you can mention business ethics to people and it's, they have no fucking clue what you're talking about. What is that? Wow. You really don't know that. You should have established that before you even started your business. You should have mind mapped that. That should have been in in all your planning. What are my business ethics? Am I going to stalk people's Instagram? Am I going to buy followers? Am I going to buy likes? Am I going to buy comments? These are all things you got to ask because we are what we repeatedly. I I think someone felt some type of way. I was on an interview once. I said, if you're always buying followers and comments and likes and shares and doing these things, well, and you call yourself real, are you really? And those are just things you have to ask yourself. And I'm not judging anyone, but those are things you have to ask yourself. So when you're challenged on those things, don't be, don't read someone else the ride act or don't be surprised because you are what you do. And so for Solo and I, like we, when we started Wolf Bowl, we said, no, we're going to be real. We're going to be open. We're going to be transparent. And so far we haven't, we started with 17 followers. We never bought likes, never bought comments never bought followers. We've never done, we've never even paid for an Instagram ad or a Facebook ad. We've never done any of that because we said we want this to be organic. We want, we, let's see what the community is about. Let's see if we can make this really about community and let's see what happens organically. And no, I, I don't know if I got off tangent, if I got off the question, but yeah, but to hear you say what you just said, I think that's powerful. Emotional intelligence, ethics, and know who you know who you say you're going to be and know who you are. Yeah, that's amazing. Building a community. Where did you start then? How did that come to be the science behind where you park? And that's the thing. That's another skill. When I think of your business model, I'm thinking of all of the things that you guys, since it is a mobile business, you also have to figure out where you're going to be, build relationships with these people. It's a 24-7 job because then you also have to cook the food. You also have to constantly be being the creative aspect, the (laughs) delivery. I can't even imagine. So if you haven't really advertised or gone that direction, I saw you in the Navy Yard. I found you guys and I was like, this is the best thing ever. What do you guys do typically? 
So it's funny you said that because Solo showed me a meme once that's, that it was a, uh, someone that said, I left my nine to five, it was a millennium. And it was like, I left my nine to five for, so I, and now I'm working 24 <laughs> seven. And so, no, you're right. I mean, it is 24 seven, but we knew what we signed up for when we did. We knew it was going to be challenging. We knew we were pioneering and revolutionizing something. So we knew what we were doing was so out of the box that it was going to take some effort, extra effort. And so I think for us, going back to emotional intelligence. So the fourth, one of the fourth pillars of emotional intelligence is relationship building. And so it all started from there. I go back to this again. We started with 17 followers and we started with the relationships that we had, friends and family. Hey man, we're starting this truck. We have this, someone's doing a, I think our very first event was at the end, a fall of 2019. And it was in Metro DC. And we signed up for this market, this first Friday market. It was something like that, right? And uh, hey, so we just told the people we know, hey, we're going to be at this market. If you know anyone's got dogs, tell them we're going to be here. And then it just, it's like that stone, you throw it, you skip it, and it, it had a ripple effect. And uh, so so we went from there and we just, hey, and then so the person who was in charge of the market say, hey, there's this. And good people know good people. I've mm -hmm. always said that. And bad people know bad people too. You know, one of my favorite quotes is by Warren Buffett. And he said one of the, his... The gift that he's been blessed with the most or the gift that he's most grateful that he's been blessed with is his ability to discern people. That's what he, that he said. That's his favorite gift that he's been blessed with. And I agree. That's I think that's something that Solo and I are really, that's one thing her and I have really been blessed with. That's why we work with you today, Tina, because Solo said, no, she's good people. And I remember you. She, rem she remembered oh, you. She you. remembered you right away. She remembered your dog's names, everything. And so that goes back to what I'm saying. Good people know good people. And we get asked to do all type of stuff. And it's just, nah, because I know what you're in it for. You're in it for the money. You're not in it for the dogs. And that's how we roll. And yeah, Tina. So just that relationship building and letting it be a natural, organic kind of left from one thing to another. So we say, hey, we got the farmer's markets. And from the farmer's market, someone say, hey, can you do a bark mitzvah? Can you do a yappy hour? Can you do a pup senora? Oh my and, God, that's so cool. Yeah, and, and then someone said, hey, they're having this dog festival. And so it just, it took on its own life. And dogs are something that brings people together. It's something that I've said before, labels have consequences. And dogs are something, dogs don't care about labels. They don't, they don't. And you see a dog go to a dog run or a dog park. When he's going, when he gets inside that gate, he's not just looking for other German shepherds or other, other French bulldogs. They'll play with any dog. You know, humans, we're not like that. White people, they go, so they're looking for white people. Black, we, we are, we so self-segregate. And I hate that shit. We so self-segregate so much. And that's why we don't get more accomplished. As we're so tribal and that's what I love about dogs. They don't, they don't care about that. And so that was one thing. That was another thing I think that benefited us too, because dogs help people break that barrier. Uh, it's funny. I sit back and I'm at the window sometimes and I'm looking out at the line and I love seeing like this goth person talk to this dude from the hood with braids in a pit and, or whatever, or he got a Frenchie and this goth person has what, you know, someone who looks like she's a sorority chick chopping it up with a Delta. It's just, I just love seeing that mix of people just, and they don't know each other. They're complete strength, but they're in line and they're having conversations with each other. And that's happening right at my truck. That shit is priceless. I'll take that over any million dollar investment. And you tell me what businesses do that. Like there's some businesses I go in and I'm like, I know I'm in a white business. I know it's run by a white person. I know I can, it's all white people in here. And it's, I'm not hating on white people or black, nothing like that. I'm just keeping it real though. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, I'm just, you just know, I can look at your marketing. I can look at everything and be like, yep. Like I just, I can look at how you talk to people. I can, it just, 
you know, how you, I can tell how your employees interact with people. Like, and, and so for us, it just, and not to get off tangent, but for us, it's just about how can we bring people together? How can we have this community? How can we do stuff that people wouldn't expect us to do? Like we're working with DC United like next week. That's crazy. I would have never imagined a million. And they reached out to us to do pups on the pitch. That's crazy. I mean, we've worked with the Broken Museum. I mean, I've had Holder come to our truck. I've had, what's the comedian that got in trouble? Louis C.K., Chris Rock stopped by the truck and talked shit. Like, I've had people who I found out later from after they followed. Oh, she did Michelle. I think her name's Michelle. I forget her name. April. She did Michelle Obama's portrait that's in the Smithsonian. Like, she came to our truck. Yeah, she did the, ma the main one, the presidential picture of Michelle Obama. She's in the documentary on HBO called Black Art in the Absence of Light. And uh, she came to our truck with her two little dogs and got chicken and waffles. Like, I, like it's crazy like she came to our truck she amy sherald is her name she did the official obama of michelle obama painting that's in this and it's just it blows my mind and even the everyday people i meet so to be able to do that and i think some of this has happened innately and organically and it's happened in itself but yeah we were intentional in some ways but a lot of it has just been like no nah, man these are good people we want to show love and support and we're good people and we want to connect it's like a moth, yeah. like a moth, moths. We, we are attracted to shiny objects. We're attracted to energy. We're attracted to light. And, and that can go both ways. Some people are attracted to bad energy and bad light. And I think for us, we've been blessed that we're good light and we've attracted good people. Yeah, totally. I've met people in your line and the Wolfful <laughs> line. We've maintained friendships with. And yep, also I... At a Wolf Bowl, I forget where it was, but it was in DC. There was a meetup for French Bulldogs and yeah. you guys were there. Yeah. So there was this little French Bulldog that kept coming up to me and it looked exactly like Winnie, oh. one of my French Bulldogs. Yeah, I know Winnie. And he Winston. was the same color and he kept coming up, but he was tiny. And I'm like, who is this dog that looks just like Winnie? Oh. Long story short, it ended up being Winnie's litter mate. Wow. And I ended up connecting with... Winnie's litter wow. mate's dad via Instagram wow. and we exchange information and that's, that's one of crazy. like yeah my closest friends now is wow. Winston's litter wow. mate's dad so it's so true that wow. light is attracted to you because I love Winnie's litter mate's dad and wow. Winnie's litter mate and they were there and I just couldn't wow. believe that we had found them there with you guys wow. so there's so many memories and I think wow. that your food truck just brought so much joy. When I got Winnie, it was 2020 in April. And I remember seeing you guys in the Navy Yard. And my child <laughs> self is so excited that I get to bring my puppy yeah. to get a Happy Meal. You have no idea how much it lit up yeah. my life. And Thank I think you. that these experiences, you are so kind and so nice. And uh, this is a quality of life moment. These are memories and moments that I will cherish for the rest of my life. We have these precious souls, these dogs for not long, not long enough. So for me, 
Like the, these are the best years of my life. I yes. know it with Winnie and Chloe. The moments that are so special that I'm finding things to do with them that even though I didn't have, my parents weren't doing that with me, I'm doing right. it with them. <laughs> it is a healing situation where I'm having this childhood through them. Which yep. is... No, it is, but it's so, that's so true. It, no, it's, I have a friend, he has kids and he always talks about going to the Pixar movies with the kids and experiencing that and the kids are enjoying it and so he so is he yeah no I thank you man thank you for the kind words that's a great story man that's powerful that's special I won't forget that yeah Winnie's a funny dude that's a funny <laughs> <laughs> I know he really is an angel was dropped from heaven and yep. he is my soul spirit dog and in the beginning you were saying you did have dogs I talked to my husband about it and I'm like Back in the day, family dogs were exactly like you said. They're yep. in the basement. They are yep. not part of the family. It's yep. a very specific kind of relationship. 100%. And yeah, we think about like, how did it get to this point? And how yeah. are we not those same people? <laughs> and like, I'm wondering, did you have your first adult dog? And is that when it clicked where you're like, oh shit, everyone's pretty <laughs> shitty to dogs before. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> a fact. That's a fact. No, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'll just, I think that is, I think that's exactly how I phrase it. Oh fuck, people are pretty shitty to dogs. I think that is ex exactly how I, <laughs> no, but no, that's funny. That's, yeah, no, but no, man, I just think it was like, yo, I really love these little motherfuckers. It's like my heart, like you said, it's like my heart walking around with four legs and it's, I can't do them dirty. I don't know. People say some of it is because, and I don't think this is true. Like our generation can't afford kids. So we put that same energy or love into our pets or plants or whatever the case may be. I don't think it's that. I just think it's that our generation has dealt with more trauma. People say that the great, the greatest generation that World War II kind of generation, and there are some generational differences. But honestly, Tina, to keep it real, I just think our generation has dealt with so much trauma. You think about the challenge, you think about 9-11, you think about the financial crisis, you think about school shootings, you think about race issues. Like our generation has dealt with so much, like I could go on. And so I think, and statistics show this, people actually spend more on their pets during times, during traumatic times or during times of social downfall. Or they, you saw it during COVID. There was like this huge swell of people adopting pets and spending on pets. And Chewy did outstanding in terms of stocks and Chewy and PetSmart. And so I think we've always looked at them that way. But I think our generation more so has been like, these. this is something of comfort that, that gives me pure joy that you talked about, Tina. The same thing that Wolf Bowl is trying to give. So we're just trying to give the same thing that the dogs give us. And that's essentially how Wolf Bowl started. I made a covenant with them. You guys keep me alive and I'll keep you alive. And how do you do that? You do that through health and wellness, right? And I think we laugh tongue in cheek, but I think a lot of it, it really is that. It comes down to we need them to help us deal with a lot of stuff that's been going on. And, and so we see them differently. Our, your parents and my parents were the generation that created all this wealth. Right. And, they, and as they say, they created it. We spend it. Our generation spends it. So they've had the good times, the 80s, the late 70s, the early 90s. Those were really good financial. Those were good times to be an American. And so I'm not trying to get too heavy, but just to spit some real to you, like some cavy, like I think that's what's changed. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think so. I think that plays a huge part in it. You yeah. mentioned earlier that your mom did get you a dog after 
your house was burglarized. And so when you think back to your getting your dogs in 2011, were those your first adult dogs? Yes. So Snoop passed away, I think around my first deployment. So yeah, he was, and I was, I had already been away between college and the military. So we had been separated for some time, but yeah, they were yeah. So I want to say Lotto and Dina were my first. I'm an adult now. I have, I'm have. i paying everything. It's all on me, like my dogs. Yeah. And they were with me. Yeah. All the time. Did you go to the military right after high school? Great question, Tina. Yeah. So I left high school on a basketball scholarship. It didn't work out. I, um, I was a head case. I had some issues in terms of co- I didn't get along with the coach and that's neither here nor there. I mentioned this in an article before. My father was actually a Marine. And so my mother always had this kind of military regalia around the house. So I would see stuff in the house and maybe I was primed to some degree. Right. And so I had always thought about the military, but then 9-11 happened. Right. And that happened like my year, that year after college or whatever, I'm aging myself. But when that happened, that shit hit me different. Like that, when people talk about it hits different, like that hit, I think it hit everyone. I think we were in a collective like shock, like the whole nation and like canatonic shock. And so it was one of those times as a young person, I was like, man, I was called to serve something just, but they said there was a lot of people like me who just joined the military because of that event. It was this big kind of tide of, and so that changed me. And so I joined the military then shortly after 9-11 and then stayed in for about eight years, uh, did some school while I was in, got out, finished my degree, got a job, then got my MBA, stayed a couple more years and I just was like, this corporate life isn't for me. And then Wolf Bowl started. It says a lot about a person when after 9-11, they're like, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to enroll into the military. (laughs) Very purpose-driven. Yeah, a hero. Seriously. Thank you for your service. And and that's pretty amazing. When at 9-11, I was a sophomore in high school. And I remember Mm -hmm. a lot of the guys that I graduated with started immediately going Mm -hmm. after that time period. Some people were like, this is my worst nightmare. I'm Mm -hmm. a guy and I don't want to be listed and go into this environment. (laughs) And then you're the opposite. Now I'm going to go and I'm going to protect mine. That's pretty amazing. That's definitely a personality trait. (laughs) And I feel like that (laughs) some people don't have. Reckless. You're like, I'm going to go turn to danger. I'm going to run towards it. It seems like my bag. I told you I was (laughs) self-destructive. No, but no, I'm, I'm teasing, but a little bit, it's weird because it's, it's like a paradox. I'm kind of, it's like conflicted. I'm conflicted in a little bit too, Tina, because there's this one part of me, like my mother loved America, but then there's this other part as a black man where it's, you're not supposed to be patriotic, right? Where it's almost to be a black man and to act like you love America or pretend to love America. It's like you're Uncle Tom or you're one of these other things. But now that I've been in the military and yo... I've been to some of these other countries, like I'm super happy that I grew up in America because mm-hmm. I've seen people eating goulash out of their hands and off the ground. I've seen extremely poor. I've, I mean, I've been to some of these countries. I've seen really rich and, and I know what we think is poor here is not what I've seen in some of these other countries. No, they are Somalia living off of 60 cents a day. So I am extremely grateful that I was born in America and that I'm American. And I know, and so that was one thing that I still struggle with today because you see a lot of, it feels like a lot of people could care less that you're a veteran. And thank you for thanking me for my service. But even with our generation, even when people come to the truck, it's never young people that thank me for my service. It's usually Gen X or above. 
never millennials, very rarely, maybe some cops or firefighters that do, but very rarely is that millennial and down and say, thank you for your service. Or I see you're a veteran owned business. You know what I'm saying? Like almost never. And it's, does it hurt? It does a little bit. Cause it's damn, I went and did all this. I'm I, like you said, I'm, I wasn't, I'm not, I didn't do it for that validation, but it's man, I worked some, I worked, I did a lot, man. Like I worked 20 hour shifts. I went to Iraq and Afghanistan twice and it's no one cares. You do a, you wave your flag on veterans day and that's it. So to hear you say that, thank you. But yeah, so it, I was, you're right. I was, so some of it was like <laughs> reckless abandonment, but another part was like, my mother was patriotic. I was raised in a patriotic household. I'm from the Midwest. So we're very blue collar people. You probably see that in solo and I's work ethic. That's why we work so hard. We're blue collar people. We don't, we're not entitled. I meet a lot of entitled people in this industry or just in business in general. And that goes back to your previous question about how did Solo and I do this? We're not in time. We built it brick by brick. And so, yeah, that's where I am with that whole veteran thing. But uh, it, it, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It really is. I actively seek out to support veterans. It's not just, just a job. There's the trauma and the things that you've seen that you'll mm -hmm. never be able to get away from. And I won't have that. And I won't have mm -hmm. to know that or be that, but you carry that with there is this respect knowing that you've seen some crazy shit. You've done some crazy shit. You didn't have to. Thank God you did for people like me. But at the same time, there is this gratitude. And like you said, there is a emotional intelligence like when people can empathize and connect and yep. you've seen people in the absolute worst situations that you can ever see people in life. And so when you saw people in line or people in your line and they, like you said, they need something extra, you can mm -hmm. sense it. That mm -hmm. has completely changed you as a human mm -hmm. being when there's an extra need. You're a hero in that setting, but you're also a hero in all these everyday settings because you don't really know what mm -hmm. somebody's going through. And when they're with you, that extra moment in time with you to acknowledge them, it mm -hmm. means everything. Okay? Like having mental health problems is the worst because you have it for yourself, but mm -hmm. it's also tough because you see it in other people too. Mm -hmm. And you're almost too sensitive and you mm -hmm. feel, wow, I see their, mm -hmm. their pain and I like feel it on a deeper. Do mm -hmm. you feel like you have that empathy? Wow. I feel like you read a chapter of my leadership book. I actually have a section in my leadership book on that. And actually the leader who's meant the most to me in my life, actually he fit the bill of what you just talked about. It's almost like that hurt people help people or hurt people have the ability to really help people. And his name was Gene Peters. And Gene Peters had alcohol issues. He had spousal issues. He had military judicial issues. But I tell you this, he was the wisest motherfucker I've ever met in my life. The most emotionally intelligent motherfucker I've ever met. And I say motherfucker with the most respectful way I could ever say it. And I dedicated my leadership book to him. He's in, the, he's in one of the very first pages. And I'll never forget Gene Peters. When you're coming up the ranks in the military, you get to a point, E4, where you become like a real, you're always in some, you're always a leader, no matter where you are in the ranks, because you're always in charge of someone under you, except for maybe if you're E1, but even then. And so when I became an E4, you're formalized into leadership. And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, you're a leader now. And he said, if you want to be a great leader, remember, it's only one thing you need to remember. It's about your people. It ain't about you no more. He said, because they will write your resume. They will get your awards. They will get your goals accomplished. It ain't about you. It's about them. And if you remember that, you will be a great leader. And that shit is true. 
and you see it in Wolf Bowl. You see it in how I tried to live my life. For the most part, I'm not perfect. Um, yeah, Gene Peter shared that. With, I'll never forget that. And that's I, that's actually this on the second page of quoting that in, in my leadership book. But it's so true. It's not about you. And so me having been through, to your point, Tina, having been through so much, and I'm not just talking about military, I'm talking about my life in general, my life experiences, right? I talked about this on a documentary did. I said, for most of us, it's if you're scrolling through a phone, right? And it's Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is, you're looking at all these things, right? And you're looking at it passively, and but it's having an active effect on you, whether you know it or not. And that's almost how my life was. Like I was dealing with all these different incidents and you may not think, I may not have thought or may not have felt that these things were having an effect, but they were, they actively were. And so that's why now to your point, Tina, I have that ability to be able to be in tune with other people's soul or to be able to empathize or understand. And I use those words judiciously on purpose to understand and empathize because those two words are different. And so, yeah, man, I think that's, I think I've been able to touch into something because I've been through so much. And that's what Peter's was for me. He was, he had, he was able to say, nah, man, don't do this or look at it this way because he had these different perspectives and perspectives. And I've said this before, perspectives inform decision-making. The more perspectives you find available to you, the more decisions you find available to you. If you have a very myopic view of things, a very rudimentary view of things, then you're only going to make very myopic or rudimentary decisions or actions. And I think that's what's what's worked well for us because I tell you, man, I was a hothead in a lot of respects. But now I'm to the point, maybe I know I probably should do stuff more like this because I have so much to share, but I'm also, like I told you before, a little bit of an introvert. But yeah. Yeah, but that's a good thing about these sort of things. If you ever yeah. did a podcast, <laughs> and you can pick and choose when you decide to yeah. to do it, so right. it'll work out. Yeah, um, well. I feel like so with the dogs and and speaking of perspectives, I think that before I got Winnie, I was in like the worst place. Goodness. With Winnie, I feel like he helped me, and it's it, the podcast is Mother of Dogs, but it it actually helped me mother myself. I think mm-hmm. in a way that where. I think when you have a puppy and that was my first adult dog and I had been waiting my entire life, I feel like to love something so fully that when I got him, it was just like this direct reflection of what life could be and how he needed play. It was an opportunity to see life from a different perspective that I haven't seen and was a healing journey for me. When you got your dog's how is that experience for you? Where were you in your life when you got your first adult dog? And how did you know that you needed that? And how did you feel? Yeah, great question. So yeah, a lot of what Winnie has done for you is what Lotto did for me. So when we got Lotto and Solo can attest to this, and I know she probably doesn't want to, but I've mentioned it on camera before. When I got Lotto, I was drinking a fifth of gin and a case of beer a day. I would get off, I would literally get off base I would stop at the package store, which is the liquor store. People don't know what that is. Or I would stop at 7-Eleven and I would get that and I would go home. I would have a beer before I got, I would have a beer before I got in the shower, get a beer when I got out. And then that just was the rest of my night. And whatever I did, whether it was going to play basketball or whether it was going out with my friends or just hanging in the house with Solo, that, that was it. But that, that, but you, one thing for sure. I was getting that case of beer and I was getting that fifth of gin. I kept, we call it Seagram's bumpy faces, they call it in the hood because the bottle is bumpy, right? 
And so that was, that was what I did. And, uh, and so I was in that solo has a picture of me once my face is like really fat and I didn't even realize all this drinking and all this food and everything. I was, all this stuff that I was doing was having this effect on my health. And I was an athlete, like a really good, like recruited by top universities all over America, playing in all, on every level of basketball. And, uh, and yeah, so I was in a tough place, man. I got into a couple fights in our neighborhood where her and I were living, that could have put us in, in, in a dangerous situation because I didn't know if these dudes was going to come back and do something or just driving recklessly. Um, and so I was in a tough place, but it's funny because I mentioned this recently. It was, you don't realize how dark of a place you're in. It's it's like canatonic apathy. It's it's almost like you're looking down on yourself, but it's not really you going through these motions, man. It's some um, they call talk about the fog of war. It's like the fog of war with yourself, and that's where I was at. But over time, having Lotto to your to what you just talked about, Tina, all these things that he was able to do for you, organic or via osmosis, that you don't even re- just having him there, that you don't even really realize is happening. Loving him teaches you about the need to love yourself or the importance of, you know what, I need to be here and I need to be healthy so I can take care of this little motherfucker, right? Because I love the fucker. I love this little dude. So I, okay, I got to straighten up. And if I'm making sure he's eating good, now I got to make sure I eat good because I'm feeding him well because I want him to leave. I don't want him eating all these bad treats and kibbles and all, all these different things and harmful dyes and all that stuff. So if I'm doing it for him, maybe I should do it for me. Because he needs me to be around, right? To do this for him. And I think that, and then it was something that also helped me and Solo bond too. Because it gave us something to love together. Because, yeah, I mean, we were early on, we were, we were very much in our honeymoon phase and we loved each other. But it, it, I think it also brought us together. And we would take Lotto to the parks and go do little stuff and take him to art shows. Because, you know, we've always been really into art and all type of things. And take him to her parents' house. And her parents had a, we had an apartment. They had a house. Her and I laughing, watching Lotto run around. And then we got Dina. It was those pockets of joy where maybe I didn't find pockets of joy before. Because dogs will make you laugh. They just do stupid shit. And Frenchies with the zoomies and Frenchies are doing zoomies. They're doing cr- and Frenchies have the I know people are like, oh Frenchie, you didn't adopt, you didn't read. Okay, I get that. All right. All right. Holier than thou. You got it. All right. But my thing is Frenchies have so much personality, man. And they just they're so funny. And her and I just laughing off of something Lotto would do. Like we just be chilling and he just fart. You know, he just like <laughs> or snort or zoomies. It's just he would do 10 zoomies. Like between our bedroom, the bathroom, and the living room, and it would just stop and just look at us like, <laughs> you see what I like? You see what I just did? So I think those pockets of joy and laughter is what I needed because I didn't find shit funny. You mm-hmm. feel me? I didn't mm-hmm. find shit funny. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think uh, that was, uh, and this is the first me saying this now was maybe one of the f- few times of me realizing this very fact of what we're talking about, that I didn't find a lot of shit funny. I'm a hard person to deal with, to be with. They really do offer yeah. the laughs. I was going to ask, Brian and I, we've been together for a really long time and we didn't have kids. So for me too, it does it it does help you feel like a family in a sense. When you said that now you guys took care of something together. You mm-hmm. have this bond and this love. And I have a hard time thinking about, I hate the word owner of yeah. the dog. And I don't yeah. know if what I think about parenting either, because I'm mm-hmm. still like, I'm, but at the same time, it seems the most fitting because you're caretaking them, obviously, and mm-hmm. you're feeding them, doing all the things. But 
But it, it does feel like this weird like thing that you have this little animal who's just following you around at your <laughs> My husband and I sometimes were like, we have a little animal in our bed right now. And it's just like, we're still, our mind is blown. Yeah. It's such a weird thing, but- It is. But we do feel like a family now. For a long time, I holidays has to be with my in-laws or with specific things. And now the excuse is, is no, I can't leave Winnie and Chloe. <laughs> exactly. They're my family and I can't, sorry, I can't do that. So that's my excuse. Oh, it's a great built-in excuse. I've used that shit at work. Lotto shitting all over the house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. I got, sorry, I got to take him to, I'm a, I'm I might have been hung over a time or two and be like, my dog. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it is a great built in excuse. No, for a lot of, I, hopefully, no one sees this that I've used that on. I wish you know. <laughs> yeah, Solo got me though. She was nesting. She was nesting, as they say. And, but it was all good though. It was, it, it, yeah, they are it's special. Yeah, you're so right. So it was it Solo's idea to get a dog first. Here's what happened, right? So yeah. we had done some research on animal therapy to help me cope mm. with what I was dealing with. So I was, trying different things. And so we had saw a lot of, my counselor suggested it actually. He was horse therapy, dogs, he was giving me all these different things, right? And so I was like, you know what? Let's do the, let's get a dog. And we had been together long and she was coming to her career. I was in mine, I was actually transitioning. But it was like, yeah, let's do it. And when I loved her, she loved me. And I knew she, I knew, she, I knew Solo, no matter what, would be a great mom. Whether we had like real kids, like human mm -hmm. kids or dog, I know she would be, I wanted to marry her, obviously. Like I, I knew she would be a great mother. Um, and so I was like, yeah, you know what, let's do it. And I love dogs, obviously. And I was like, and let me see how helpful this can be in terms of helping me heal. And it just was a home run. It was a home run in every aspect. Because heaven forbid, if she just didn't care about the health of our dogs and was like, we'll just give them any fucking thing. We'll just feed them anything. And, and mm -hmm. she wasn't. Again, I knew she would be a great mom. No, she cared. What is this? Oh, I can't pronounce this. What is this? What is, I can't pronounce that. What is it? Her background is in chemical engineering. So she knows, like, why is it the same thing? in Why are they putting the same thing in antifreeze that they're putting in this dog food? Yeah, so all of those things was just fell into place. But it was a mutual, it was a mutual agreement, but it really was, was for my benefit. And it was, it was a home run. So did you feel an immediate relief? Was it like a distraction? Almost like your attention was there. And so that's what made you feel better. i tell you what, Tina. I told someone this before. I remember the first time. I remember when we got Lotto, I could hold him in one hand. And I remember a lot of times when you have extreme anxiety like I have, or you have these issues of depression, you can find yourself not breathing for several minutes. Right. And you just catch yourself like, did I just fucking did it? Have I been holding my chest in for the past four minutes and you don't even realize it? Right. Like it's just so subconscious. And it's like with him, I'm breathing regularly or if I'm playing with them, I'm breathing. There's no chest tightness. There's no it doesn't feel like it's a vice. It doesn't feel like it's a vice on my head. You know what I mean? And so that was one of the things I noticed because you can catch yourself when you have anxiety like I have or issues. You can catch yourself sometimes and say, man, like, no wonder I'm having chest pains because I've been holding my breath for five minutes and I didn't realize that I haven't ex haven't had a deep exhale. So, yeah, so Lotto helped me do those deep exhales and made me stop. I just focused on him. So it wasn't like that vice where I'm trying to think about all these different things and things that have happened and things that need to happen. It was just I'm on him. Yeah, so it was a good distractions. You're talking about anxiety. I feel like entrepreneurship can really make that 
a lot worse. Yeah. It has sometimes in my case. You mm-hmm. deal with being an entrepreneur and your anxiety. What usually triggers it and how do you start to normalize? For me, a lot of what the anxiety or what, the, what that is, it's just making sure I try not to get too high or too low. So don't get too high. Don't get too low. Try to stay even keel. Try to know what triggers you and communicates with others what triggers you or communicate with yourself what triggers you. Because again, you have to have that self-awareness. You have to have that social awareness. So for me, I know certain instances, okay, I'm not going to put myself in that situation or I'm not going to deal with this person or these type of people. Because there's, I have certain friends who have other friends and I'm like, your friends trigger me or they're doing things that may trigger me. And so I just remove myself from those situations. So that's what I try to do best. I try to, I read, I write, I go for walks. I try to swim when I can. I play with the dogs. And the most importantly, I take everything. I try to take things day by day because there was a point in entrepreneurship. I think there was a there was about a period, maybe about a year in the Wolf Bowl, Tina, where it was like, man, like we got a skill. I need to be like this company. We need to do what they're doing. I need to be on shelves. I need to do all this. All oh, these incubators are reaching out and these business people in this People want us to do this TV show. We're getting offered book deals and it'll just, and so you can internalize it and that can get into your soul, man. It really can. It can, it can take over you and it can shift your level of thinking or, or it can shift your perspective on what's important. Right. And so you can, and so that in and of itself can cause a lot of anxiety. And I think the most important thing to do in those situations is just take a second and just, and just not do anything. Because you can get so wrapped up and it can get so cumbersome. And there was a period where we were like that and it was extremely stressful, extremely anxious. And and what we ultimately decided to do was to do nothing. And that's something they teach you in project management too. There's three things you can do. Like you can, one of the things you can do is do nothing. You can go A, you can go B. And that's something I learned in a project management course when I was working in finance. And that actually is a decision that you can make. You can say, fuck mm-hmm. it, I'm going to do nothing. And sometimes those have turned out to be the best decisions. And a lot of in a lot of those situations, because you can get so wrapped up, man, and it can just it can destroy you. So I think for an entrepreneur, you have to be careful of that. And what are the ancillary effects or what is a multiplier effect of making certain decisions and doing certain things? Because everything has a multiplier effect to it. So for us, Tina, yeah, I think for me, that's being an entrepreneur. You have to be very careful. Be careful what you wish for. That's so true. I think that freedom can sometimes lead to overwhelm. Yeah. I've realized too with my private practice, it's it's exciting. If people ask you to partner or do something, like you said, you can get caught up in this other new path and this other direction and then keep going into other areas and then build a, a company or a business that isn't your own and that does not look like you anymore and that mm-hmm. you don't even like. And <laughs> ooh, how did I even get here? It's yeah. looking at what other people are doing, right? You're like, yeah. oh, that's an industry standard. Mm-hmm. And so it could be detrimental the fact that you start feeling like you have to operate a certain way like another, which takes your advantage or whatever makes you, it can be really hard to stay in your own lane. And it's a good thing. Keep your head down and just like mm-hmm. in your own world, in your own zone, having strong boundaries. Do you feel like you're able to do that with solo. How do you guys establish and prioritize your own goals for Wolf Bowl and your lives? I love that you said that, Tina. That's a great point as well said. So we started, excuse me. And I think these are, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, no matter what you do, and I think I may have said this already, but you need to establish those things 
before you start. You don't want to put the cart before the horse. You don't want to get into a situation like you and I just discussed and it's, oh, now what are my values? Or now what do I care about? Or now what does my lifestyle need to be? And you do that in so many businesses and that's why there's a bad leadership because the leader had, there, there can be this kind of inverse relationship as the business starts to scale and do all these amazing things. Okay, the values and the ethics and the morale and the leadership and the culture of the company start to do this. And uh, and if you don't, I don't think, I think if you're not grounded in those things in the beginning, so we're very grounded in who we are. We're very grounded in, in, in our process and what we want to do. Then I think that you can find yourself in a lot of trouble. And I hate to keep quoting Warren Buffett, but one of the things he said that was most important to him in terms of business is learning to say no, is the word no. Yeah. And he said, that's how he's found to become as successful as because you can't be a yes man to everyone, because if you're yesing everyone, then what's your core, what's your focus? You're getting pulled in all these different directions. And so one thing about us, and I'm sure you've noticed about us, Tina, we are very focused on in terms of this is what we do. This is who we are. We're not going to delineate no matter what. And we've been pulled in a lot of different directions, but we've maintained our core values. And you have to, and I'm telling you as an entrepreneur, as even as a parent, even if it's, even if it's kid, if Solo and I had real kids and I knew, but I knew this about her before we got Lotto and before, and just through casual conversation and me and her court, courting each other, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Right. It was so super important to me, you know, that if I'm a wife, her, if I'm gonna make her wifey, what type of core values does she have? Does she believe in corporal punishment? Does she believe in at-home educa education? Does she believe in church? Does she believe in God? Does she believe in spirituality? Does she believe in joint bank accounts? Does she believe in... And the list could go on and on, mm -hmm. you know. And so those are things that I needed to know about her. Just you need to know about your husband before we even decided to get serious, serious. And some, and I, and I think for a lot of people, the opposite is true. It's lust within love. That's where you get in trouble. Mm -hmm. When you say, oh, look at Wolf Bowl. They're making all this money. They look great. They're getting media exposure. I'm going to steal their idea and I'm going to do that. I'm going to steal their colors. I'm going to, I'm going to take, and that's when you get in trouble or, oh, there's a girl with the, she thick, she's this, she's that. Okay. And then you, or guy, he's a guy with the muscles. He's got a lot of money, nice car. And then you get together and it's like whammy, you know what I mean? Then it doesn't work out because you went in for the wrong reasons. You went for lust, not love. See, we went into Wolf Bowl for love. That, and you said it. I sense it. I feel it. Other people who talk about you guys. So it's... Look at Lotto trying to get in my lap. He's so fucking bad. <laughs> but no, but seriously, to me, I think that intrinsically, if you have those ideals and that iteration that you talked about of those things, extrinsically, it'll show and it'll shine through. And I think that is what gets a lot of people in trouble with being up because there's so many people like we've had people that reach out to us from other areas and other countries say, hey, I want to start a dog food truck. But why do you want to start a dog food truck? Oh, it looks like you guys are killing it, et cetera, et cetera. OK, that's those are the wrong reasons. And, and I also they also asked me, how do I start one again? I don't want to tell you how to do it because the blessings, the awesomeness, the love is in the journey. What's been so dope for me and Solo has been the best part is just figuring this all out. Like you said, like, how do you know where to go? How do you? That's the that's where the fun is. That's where the excitement is. That's where the adrenaline is. It's just figuring out like, oh, man, like, what do we do? When Solo and I first started, our burgers didn't look like how they look now. <laughs> our fries didn't look how they look now. 
You know what I mean? Our trays were a little different. I used to hand cut every order of fries like at the moment that they were purchased. Oh my God, and I have I got I have like arthritis from the military and from other issues, but I'll just imagine if I was doing that shit now, yo, I'd be like Popeye in this bitch. <laughs> no, but yeah. but that's but you know what I mean? Like that iteration that you talked about, the beauty, that's where it is. And so I tell people, I'm not doing this just because you're competition. I'm doing this because I want you to find yourself. Mm -hmm. Tyler the Creator has a, his last album was Call Me When You Get Lost. Right. And he said the reason why I did that. And I was like, I peeped why he did that. But he was like, the reason why I label my album as because go get lost. Just go get lost. It's amazing, man. You just when you I didn't know Solo was as dope as she was until we started doing Wolf Bowl. I didn't know I was as dope as I was. I still can't stand her ass sometimes. <laughs> She's still got my damn nerves, my last damn nerves sometimes. No, but I didn't know that I was as capable as much as I was. And so getting kind of lost, so to speak, or getting very uncomfortable helped me find out a lot of skills or abilities or knowledges, chaos, whatever you want to call them that I didn't know I had. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. I, I'm a nutritionist for humans. People always come with a very specific, I need to lose like X amount of weight or I need to <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And and it's funny because I've realized after so many years with so many people, you're never going to get exactly what you want out of what you think that you need out of something. You're talking about everything being outcome-based, but mm -hmm. it's really the journey to get there. Mm -hmm. And people with me, they don't recognize that, okay, maybe you'll get to this outcome, that specific one, but mm -hmm. you'll also these millions of little things in between mm -hmm. education, this experience that's part mm -hmm. of the journey. That's actually the value, right? They really think that it's the this but just like with wolf bowl you're not just getting this little food bowl right you're getting a million other things like part of that whole experience it all goes back to the discerning right i buy things because i want to support it because i love the branding because i love i will seek out things for branding and buying it because it looks great you sound like so yeah that's how we yeah no i'm with you i'm with you yeah i'm with you is that because you respect it's like respect yeah oh, it's just it's a piece yeah. of art and it's yep. an experience and like yep. How much does that cost value? Also, I think when people think like that, like with me and you, it depends. This experience is not just like this. So I will pay more. Exactly. I will do that because I want to and I find the value. And it's you're not going to, you're not a business that has to go out there and be like, your dog needs this food for what I could. That's not the point. The whole point mm -hmm. is you're getting these people who appreciate the brand, the mm -hmm. creativity it involves. Mm -hmm. They love their dogs and they want that for them. They mm -hmm. want them to have good food. It's like yep. a million things built yep. into one. It it's not just that. And so I, I know that wow. you had, you were trying to explain it in the beginning. And That's so, so beautifully like, said, by the way. That's very beautifully said, by the way. Yeah. How can you put a price on something specific like that? I mean, yeah. it's you. just, it's invaluable. Thank you. And that's... I don't want to toot my own horn. Like, we feel that way too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you should. Like, yeah, because some people come and I'm like, eh, it's a little bit more expensive or it's just that. I'm like, but yo, it's so much deeper than that. It's so much deeper than that. It's not, we're not trying to get rich doing this. We're just, we're basically, on, we're here with it. I'm just covering costs, but it's, but yeah, it's so much more than that. It really yeah. is. Tina, I can't, the story. So I'll give you an example, right? And this is something that meant so much more to me. And I've said this story before. So during the whole George Floyd situation, I was angry. I was upset. I was disturbed, man. I felt some type of way. I felt I was, I hated the apathy of so many people and so many segments of society and populations. And so I was dealing with, and so we had a pup up, I think like that next weekend or something like that. 
and I'm and I'm looking at everyone. I'm it's, it's predominantly white customers. I'm in Alexandria, Virginia, and I'm like, man, they don't look pissed at all. They don't. It's like nothing happened, right? And I'm in this fucking truck seething, but a guy just got choked out, right? A black man, and so from and then this little girl. We had a long line too, and this little girl comes up with her father. And uh, she comes get a she gets a wolf bowl. She comes. She's very quiet. Didn't say anything. Sweet little girl. Sweet little white girl, by the way. She probably 12, 13, something like that. So she comes up to the truck, Tina, and as she I give her a wolf bowl, and she walks past, and her father comes up right behind her, and he said he put his hand up on the thing on the shelf, and he said I just want to tell you something, man. And you know that area, Tina. You know that it's money in the DMV. Like it's one For of the sure. wealthy. It's one of the For wealthiest. Sure. For sure. It's one of the 100%. It's one of the wealthiest areas in the country, if not the wealthiest. So he came up and he put his hand on his window to and he said, you know what? I told my daughter she could have anything she wanted for her birthday. And all she wanted to do was come to your truck. Fuck me up. I was done for the, I was done for eyes watering. I was done for the rest of the day. Wow. Cause here I am seething. Right. And here's this little white girl that comes up and her father tells me I could have got my daughter anything she wanted, but all she wanted to do was come to your truck today. And, and that, that fucked me up. It really did. It touched me. And I'm, I'll never forget that story. That's such a powerful story for me. And so it just changed my whole day and my whole attitude. This little white girl, she believed and loved so much in what we were doing that she could have went anywhere and did anything for her birthday. But she's at she's with me Saturday morning to come get a wolf bowl for her dog. And so to your point about the value and what we take away and what I take away and what other takes away, man, you can't put a price on it. that story right there. What I just told you, you see my voice, it'll start breaking up. You can't put a price on that, man. You it's, It just blows my mind. And me and Solo sometimes we'll just that store that instance will just we'll just be driving somewhere in LA or and I'll just be like, man, I still can't believe that shit. And sometimes, you know, it's the universe sending you something, or it's God, whatever you believe in sending you something, say, no, man, chill out. I got you. It's gonna be okay. And I think that was one of those instances. Because as a black man in this business, this was once labeled, I don't know if it was Bloomberg or Harvard Business Review or one of those major publications. This was labeled the whitest industry in America. The pet industry. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's a fact. It was labeled the whitest industry in America. And sometimes in this industry, you feel like Serena Williams in tennis. You feel like the black quarterback in the NFL. You feel, you know, someone black trying to get into tech. And so you you feel that. And I try not to make things about race so much, but it's like Solo has said, no matter how good or great you are, they try to diminish you or diminish your accomplishments. Or, or you don't, you're not savvy enough, or you don't have the intelligence enough, or the class enough, or you don't have the pedigree enough. And and I think that's why her and I are, are I want to take this back to the dogs, but it's why Solo and I love pit bulls so much. Because we feel mm-hmm. like pit bulls suffer the same kind of prejudices and unconscious biases that me as a black man face. I've had so many pit bull customers say, you know what, it's sad. I have to dress my pit bull in a pink tutu or something like this because people will cross the street. They'll see another dog and won't cross the street, but they see my dog and they'll cross the street or they won't want to come or they'll grab their kids. And I feel like it's the same way with me sometimes. And so that that's a hard thing about and I and I hate that's the case, but you definitely feel it in this industry in some aspects where you see where, you know, early on where you see someone else got an opportunity that you didn't get or people act differently towards you and you, you feel it. Feel it.
you don't want to make it about race and talk about it, but it's like yeah. you said, it's this awareness. My first interview is with a Latina oh, Bowie shoots. And I'm Puerto Rican and actively seeked out. For me, that representation matters. I mm-hmm. want to see other people of other cultures, diversity thriving, mm-hmm. especially entrepreneurs. Because I think we talked about like the fear and all of that stuff before. But mm-hmm. for me, I think... I, the older I get, the more I'm like, wow, representation matters so much. I can't even imagine how terrifying even having a baby as a black woman, right? Mm-hmm. It's already shitty. But on top of that, if you're a black woman, you're more likely to die just giving Mortality birth. It's like, yeah. that's it. It's, it's yeah, fucking sad. insane. So it is insane. Sad. Yeah, it's not human. Yeah. My point is that I feel you. And I'm glad that you're still going out there and doing the things and living your best life and trying to figure out what that is because it's hard. I can see how like that anger could build. You said mm-hmm. you were feeling that type of way, but then you didn't deserve to feel that though either. You deserve to feel this peace and this love that you're putting out into the world. But it's really hard when you're seeing injustice and you're around that also and you know that other people like you are not given the same respect or that same value as you have. That's 100%. And that's, I love that you said that. That's, and I'm glad you're a proud Latina too. And that's important. We seek out those same things, but two two quick things I want to touch on. So one, if you see a lot of times, I wear a human, I wear a t-shirt and I made this t-shirt in like late 2015, I was in my MBA class and it says human on it. And I wear that shirt a lot. You've probably seen me wear it at the truck or in different videos, but it's just to remind people that, yo, I am, don't thingify me. Don't, the thingification of me, don't make me a thing. I'm human. Because people are very quick to do that. And we got to be careful of that shit, man. Because that shit is it's dangerous. Because when you don't see something as human, you can do anything to it. You, you know, you have, you don't see the humanity in something. And also back to your point about diversity. It's so important to have different, various peoples in those rooms. And Nike found out that was really important to their overall growth. Because, Wolf Bowl wouldn't exist if it wasn't from for two people like me and Solo, from our culture, our background, our philosophies, the hip hop nature of it. Who would have created Wolf Bowl but us? Think about that. So it's important, and and we've we I don't care what anyone says, Tina. We have helped revol. We have revolutionized the pet industry. There are so many big brands that are copying what we're doing, stealing our ideas, copying our ideas, have changed their menus, changed all typing. We've seen it, how they market. When I when we first started Wolf Bowl, I had this conversation with another influencer called The Doggist. I told him, I said, man, I said, I told him, I said, you could watch pet commercials on TV and I guarantee you nine out of 10 times or 10 out of 10 times, it's going to be a white actor in that commercial. And it could be various different brands that has totally changed. Now you see that you see these brands putting diversity in and I'm telling you before us, there was no diversity in the pet, not in the commercials, not in the brand, not any. Now you're starting to see it. So I know that we've had a profound effect and, and I'm just, I'm grateful for that. That's something else that I'm going to take away with me knowing that I made you guys come correct. We made yeah. you guys come correct. For sure. What do you notice about the differences in markets? Like New York and DMV and LA, you've been to LA, right? Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. yeah. DC is like family, man. I just, yeah. I, I say I got a big. I get a big smile on my face when I think about the DMV. The DMV is like family. It's just it's like home cooking. That's where we started. Um, those people were supporting us when we had 17 followers, and we we didn't know what we were doing, just figuring things out. So DC is special at all. It's always good to go back there. 
We know it like the back of our hand. We have some good relationships there. New York is crazy dog community, a lot of people, a lot of diverse, just so many people from all over the world. A lot of the dog events are here in New York. Each, that was crazy about New York is that every community is different. So if you go to Bushwick, they're a certain way. If you go to the Upper East Side, they're a certain Jersey City. Like Jersey City, for example, like speaking of veterans, Jer- New Jersey loves veterans. They show a lot of, that's where I get most of the love for being a veteran. So it's just like little things like that you pick up. Some areas, they're very pretentious. I'm just going to keep it real. Certain parts of New York we go to, I'm not going to say them, but they're very pretentious, very like me, me, me-ish. But it's fun though, because you never know who's going to walk up to the truck, who you're going to meet. Yeah, LA. So LA was different. LA was so spread out. It's very spread out, very transitory like DC. LA was a vibe, but actually we got more love in Long Beach. So we got love in LA, but we, it surprised me like how much love we got in Long Beach. Long Beach was was a good community. LA had a lot of events. Oh, it didn't have a lot of events, but I think it's just because it was so spread out. We did well there. But the one thing I found about LA is that the influencer culture shit is real. It's like those like out there. I mean, there were people like, I'm not coming to your truck unless you feed, unless you like give me stuff for free or feed my dog. Yeah. So it's, so that was a little different out there. Yeah. That was more so than any place we've ever been. And I get it. If that's your job, that's what you do. I'm just of the mind frame that like, I'm not going to do that to my dog just so I can get money or to get something. So we saw a lot more of that out there. Um, but LA was cool, man. It was fun. We I had an interesting story where someone came to the truck and gave me like a quarter pound of weed. Maybe I'll save that. <laughs> Maybe I'll save who that was and how that story. That the yeah. best payment you've ever gotten? Oh, by far, yo, by far. I was good. Though. I was good the whole time I was in LA. That's I was like, so funny. Like this guy, yeah. So someone did that was, and it's a pretty famous person that did this too. So I'll tell. I'll save that story for later. Maybe if I write a book. But yeah, man. So yeah, yeah. LA was a vibe, man. But yeah, DMV. The Milwaukee was home, so we went to the Midwest. S. I went back because my sister was having medical issues and complications. And my sister's my rock. That's my heart, man. I'd do anything for my sister. Like, for real, I'd die about her. But that was really special to be able to take it back home. And I can't even... I would have never thought in a million years that I would take the truck back to... Traffic was... Yeah. Solo. The traffic was the best in the middle. Because LA traffic... DC traffic is stupid. Maryland's the worst. New York is bad. But yeah, so traffic in those three places, we've been heavily dense areas. But yeah, so the best part about Milwaukee was the love at being a prodigal son and not a lot of traffic. We could get anywhere in 10 minutes doing a pop-up at some of the places I grew up as a kid, taking solo, taking my dogs, lakefront. Yes, that was special. That was really special. No, the different places have been, they all have their quirks, but it's all something that's in my mental Rolodex that I, I'll never forget. Oh my gosh. I love yeah. that. And yeah. so I'm in Austin now. So are you guys going to come down to Texas at all? Tina, I would. we would love to come to Austin, Texas, but I know you guys have a dog food truck down there. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I think we? When, yeah, when we started, there was only... I think two or three dog food trucks. And I think one, it was Seattle, Chicago, I think Austin and us. Okay. So I think there is one in Austin. I'm pretty sure there is one, but we might still pull up. Maybe we'll do a tour and stop there. Maybe we'll oh do something like that. Oh my God, you definitely like have to, I would please. Lo- 
I've heard very, and we've had other people from Austin reach out to us and ask us to come there, or people that are that are from there that are lived in D.C. or New York and L.A. and said, "Hey, this would be great in Austin." So maybe we'll do a little tour and pup up there for something. If someone, if someone give me that bag, though. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'll have to do some community yeah. building here for you and be yeah, your tell- ambassador and be exactly. like, "Okay, I've got like the best thing going, and they're gonna come, and you guys exactly. have to build a relationship." And- exactly. Tell South by Southwest to put a bag up for us. Have us come oh my to gosh. the festival. Seriously, right? and, that and would know, be amazing. Right? Yeah, amazing. They got the money. They can do a spin that for money. sure. And you could do a little like conversation, a little like a little TED talk or something. Yeah, I'm a down. TED talk. I'm definitely down. That would be amazing. I would love to chop it up. Okay, so I'm gonna there. put it in the universe. 2024. Right. You're going to be at South by Southwest. It's in the air. And you're also going to do some sort of TED Talk situation about entrepreneurship, changing the game, the whole pet industry. I'm here for it. And I I will be there. (laughs) Me, you, Solo, Winston, Chloe, and Lotto and Dino. Exactly. So what's next for you guys? What's your goal? How can we support you? Haven't you been listening food day by day? <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm just. I, messing I'm trying to like put out some <laughs> know, long-term know, goals. I'm like, know, okay, I'm gonna be your agent, South by Southwest, okay, and I'm part of the problem. Do you see? No, I'm like, I want I, you guys everywhere. <laughs> that, that's no, that's love for real. That is love. <laughs> no, for us, it's day by day. So it's day, so we just taking it day by day. We got some things in the background, but I don't. So here's my thing. I, you're right. I could put it out there and try to manifest it. But I think the one of the things that Soul and I were talking on recently is that we've taken this let go and let God approach. And when it feels right, we'll do it, no matter what it is. But it has to feel right. And I'm not going to do things just for money because I've tried that and it didn't work. It put me on a hamster wheel. It caused burnout. It caused all these other issues. And I think it the same is for her. And so I think Whatever feels right, that's what we're going to go with. And I'm not going to make decisions based on social status, money, some type of shallow validation, or because I need to make sure my business survives. You got some people that come at us and you're doing these things and it's like a wounded animal. A wounded animal would do anything to survive. And so you... yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna make that mistake again in our life. It's, yeah, and yeah. So I think that's where it is. But we got some things that we're considering, but we'll see. I'm so excited. That's, for you guys. But that's what, but Tina, that's what I love the most about this shit because I don't know where it's going. I don't totally. know what's gonna happen. Right? That's yeah. That, that's like full circle in the whole conversation for real. Yeah, and that's life. The uncertainty, just being like, okay, I'm with it. I'm here, and I'm gonna stay with myself through the whole time. Even when things get hard or whatever that is, that's part of the whole journey we, to we plan, whatever it's meant to be. Someone said it. We plan and God laughs. Someone, yeah, and that's a good one. Because yeah. even in my, even in our lives, like even there's been things that we planned for. And I, I never thought I'd be in L.A. Never thought I would have left D.C. Never thought I would have been. Never thought someone would offer me a book deal. Never thought I would be offered multiple reality shows. Never, never thought a lot of these things that have happened. Never thought I'd be talking to you shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep yeah. it 100. Like for real. Yeah. Real talk. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I agree. I think if you're heart centered and you're open and you are, it's this like synchronicities being a good person. I think that mm-hmm. you said that earlier is that you light attracts like. And so yeah. I think that. Yeah, I feel like I'm so excited for you guys. I feel really blessed that I 
was in DC at the same time as you guys <laughs> and could feel that energy. I always talk about you guys to everyone Aww. I know and people in New York. I'm from Connecticut originally, so I know a lot of New Yorkers Word. and I'm always, go to Wolfful. You have to check them out and support them. They're good people, That's Frenchy love. lovers. Just, yeah. I, I And I'm just... I just feel like you're talking about such important. It's so easy now for shallow conversations, even talking about entrepreneurship and business. It's still always, how did you get 3000 followers? Or how did you exactly. get this 50K exactly. in one month? Exactly. Or how did you, a lot of metrics and glamorizing that, but mm. also what did it take you to get to that point? Did mm. you even talk to your family or friends in between that? Do you actually like your life? There's so many mm -hmm. different things that can make somebody seem like they have it all, but could just mm -hmm. be really miserable and not happy so that's a fact that is that's a fact yeah it's fun no that's a fact i said that's so true it's funny because and this is not a shot at her but it's why does kim kardashian have x amount of followers and neil degrasse tyson has a fraction of that because all we i told soul i said maybe one day if i really cared i'll go on our instagram and i put baby oil all over my body and post that and let's see how that does it's just it's sad though you're right though what you just said is really sad though it's, it's if i do shallow stuff like that or maybe if i showed off like this opulent lifestyle maybe i would be get more or do more but i don't care about that shit but it's you're right though it's, it's sad that that's where we are yeah but you can't let it and this is this goes back to what we talked about but you can't let it change you so you have to know thyself and have that self-awareness when you start because you can get wrapped up in that shit man and it can i'm telling you it can and it and i feel like for a while i told you that was almost putting as much strain on us as anything just trying to be like what we thought people wanted us to be or what we were what wolf bowl is supposed to be and it was like you know what nah bruh i'm good I'm mm -hmm. not going to, I'm not going to, your expectations are not going to, I'm not going to put your expectations on me and have me kill myself. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So I'm so good and I yeah. don't care. Yeah. I'm yeah. so glad that you guys have each other. You've been able to build that strong foundation. Just couldn't adore you guys more. Like oh, you. you walk the talk, you're out there and a great example and representation matters. I'm very grateful for you and your work. Likewise, straight up. Thank you for being a light. And thank you for being a medium and a vessel for me to share this. I'm glad you keep going to those hip hop shows. I'm glad yeah. I'm your favorite band. I'm glad I'm your favorite band, though. That's all that matters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you, Tina. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. If you want to continue the conversation, be sure to subscribe to my newsletter. The link is in the show notes. Here's a quick reminder to subscribe to this podcast. You can be the first to know when new episodes drop. All you need to do is open your favorite listening app, search for Mother of Dogs, and hit the little plus sign or follow button in the upper right corner. I'll see you back here every other Sunday for a new episode.